Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite, or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And And we're we're Identical Twins. Twins. And Happy Easter! Yep, Happy Easter! We just celebrated Easter. He is risen. He is, he is risen, risen indeed. indeed. It was a great day in I, worship. I hope you all had a wonderful day worshiping and being with your family. Yeah, we posted, of course, the hymns from yesterday. I mean, did everybody sing "Christ, Christ the Lord, Lord is, is risen, risen Today"? Hallelujah. Such a great hymn. And, you know, in some church traditions, you haven't sung or said Alleluia all yeah. this time. So I feel like it's even more special and meaningful and impactful. Kelly, I don't even know. I'm sorry to admit. Did we sing Alleluia? We did not sing Alleluia during Lent. So everything you planned was... Alleluia less. Yes, alleluia less. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Charles Wesley put it in his hymn like mm-hmm. a million times. Yes, yes. So we, we really made up for it in that one day. Right. <laughs> so it's Easter. Yes. And now today, my school calls today Easter Monday. Does um, anyone else call it that? I love Easter Monday. And we don't have school. That's amazing. So we've had this wonderful four-day weekend because we didn't have school on Good Friday or mm-hmm. Easter Monday. And it's great, Carrie. I feel like I need the day. I know. A lot of people host a big dinner. I I love to host Easter dinner. And And a lot of people travel. If you're traveling, you're just getting back. Yeah. Yeah. So we had Easter dinner at my house. Yes. This is Carrie. And we actually were minus one family member. Mm -hmm. So my son is in school in Arizona and he did not come home. No. No. So we missed him. Of course. We missed him. So Easter hymns, the hymn for today... You know, I don't think it's like your quintessential Easter hymn. Right. Really, if you are in the mood for an Easter hymn, I highly, I mean, I don't know how to say this enough. Right. Highly, with emphasis, <laughs> recommend episode 25, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Yeah. It, one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another one of our favorite like Easter hymns yeah. that is just full of joy, full of energy and life is episode 26, He Lives. He Lives, yes. Mm-hmm. And really... I feel like He Lives is a hymn that can be sung year-round. Yes. For sure. Yes. Christ the Lord is Risen Today is a tricky one. Yeah. You don't maybe want to sing it in August, you right, know? Right, Um, But then last year, we did Beneath the Cross of Jesus. Yes. Episode 55. It's a mini episode, so it's a little shorter. We spoke live at our church, mm-hmm, and we recorded mm-hmm. it. It was really special. Mm-hmm. There are episodes to listen to here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And today, I don't think that it's super Eastery. Right. But it's super worshipful. Right. And it is important to sing this this hymn. Yes. For Easter, for any time of the year, because it really folk it forces you to focus mm-hmm. on really what the gospel is all about. Yeah, it's the gospel story. Yeah. In one song. In one song. Yeah. And this awesome hymn mm-hmm. came as a request yes. from someone we know. I know. Someone we know and met. He lived um, here in the Northeast last summer. Yeah. He was doing missions work with an organization called Next Step Ministries. Right. And we can actually um, put the, put yeah. their information in our show yeah. notes. They're a wonderful organization. Mm-hmm. We kind of partnered with them for yeah. the summer. Mm-hmm. And it was such a positive experience. We're doing it again this summer. Mm-hmm. And this guy, when he was here, his name is James. Yeah. He was leading worship. Yeah. So he is worship director at Mount Zion Baptist Church in Dry Ridge, Kentucky. Right. And, and he's also a teacher at the Calvary Christian School in Covington, Covington Kentucky. Kentucky. So this guy is all over Kentucky. Well, I think those two towns are pretty close <laughs> yeah, to each other. Yeah, they probably are. But our hymn is all about Kentucky, too. We have a lot of Kentucky. That's so funny. Coming up in our, song, in our episode today. So his name is James, and he... Uh, approached us with this hymn a while ago. I know. And I said to him, I don't know when we're going to get to it. Like, this is not going to happen for a while. And he said, I can be patient. I can be patient. (laughs) But as we looked at our list of hymns, we felt like we wanted to push it forward because we wanted it for Easter. Yeah, Yeah. we didn't want this Easter season to go by. All right, should we tell everyone the name of the hymn? Yeah. We haven't even said it yet. It's (laughs) such a good one. I mean, I have fallen in love with this hymn. I I mean, I kind of liked it before, but I would not have said... Like, I love it. We have to sing it at Easter. I would not have said that. And now 
Yeah. yeah. And we sang it at our church for Monday, Thursday. Yes. So, you know, we'll show some vi- video clips of that yeah, as well. For sure. Okay, let's tell them. Okay, it is What, what Wondrous Love Is This? this. And if there's any reason to clap, it's that. It's when you really think about how wondrous his love is yes now James wanted this hymn yeah he requested it and we asked him so you know why this hymn and and he get, he told us why and I just love this he says I mean this is a young guy you guys what does he right. what does he carry like he graduated 20s, he graduated college a couple years ago he graduated I think in 2022 yeah or not even a couple um and he says this is a direct quote Attention, please. I love this hymn because it is just a direct presentation of what God has done for us. I think it is very easy for us to take Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for granted and in turn the amount of love God showed us by sacrificing his own son for us. Right. We shouldn't be taking that for granted. No. And not like not even just taking it for granted, but just like undervaluing it. Yeah. We just say it so flippantly. Right. You know, Jesus died on the cross. Or even like from episode 75, Jesus loves me. Yeah. But like you need to have the weight, right? right. And the gravitas. Honestly, that's what I love the most about Lent and Holy Week mm-hmm. because it makes us give that time period weight. Like we, right. we don't do it ourselves, right. but the calendar does it for us. And right. so when we go to worship on a Monday, Thursday, and when we go to worship on a Good Friday, it makes us really pause and reflect. And right. how often do we do that? Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. I, I love the use of the word wondrous. So when you look up wondrous, I mean, it is different. Like why wondrous and not wonderful? Right. right. Why wondrous and not amazing? And we always talk about what adjectives we could be using right. and how the overuse of the adjective makes it not so special anymore. Right. I mean, we say amazing grace and amazing is supposed to be, you know, right. just something that takes our breath away. And we're like, oh, that was amazing. Oh, this, you know, this... Dessert is amazing. And right. oh, the trip that I took is amazing. But wondrous, I don't think is overused. No, it isn't. That's one of the reasons why I love it so right. much. So wondrous is supposed to be something that leaves you in awe, something mm. that you marvel at. Mm-hmm. So when you think about God's love being wondrous, it leaves you in awe. Yeah. Now in the Old Testament, we see the word wondrous. Mm-hmm. We see it actually quite a lot. It's a lot of times it's referring to God's works, right. things God has done. I mean, let's just read a few verses. Okay. What does the Bible say? <laughs> and of course, we're seeing this beautiful word in the Psalms and mm-hmm. in Chronicles, all the praise verses. First Chronicles 69, it says, sing unto him, sing Psalms unto him, talk ye of all his Wondrous works. Psalm 72, 18. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And Psalm 105, verse 5. Remember his wondrous works, which he hath done, his miracles and the judgments of his mouth. Yeah, you see this kind of awe. You know, this. it's, it's wondrous. And you see it describing God's works and Jesus's work on the cross is God's work too. It actually works. It totally works. And I really think in light of the new Testament, there's, there's like nothing better to describe than Mm. the love, Mm. what what Jesus did on the cross. There's Mm -hmm. nothing more wondrous than that. Mm -hmm. You know, that is the true wondrous work Work. of God. Right. That is the best wondrous work of God. Yeah. So let's hear these words. I wonder if people know it. Do they know the words? Well, interestingly enough, most hymnals have four verses, but the original text is six verses. Uh So I would like to read all six. Okay. So let's read all six. You know that we have our awesome hymn-loving friend, Raluca. She's going to play it on the piano. We'll Mm -hmm. hear the beautiful melody, and we'll hear these wondrous, wondrous, wonderful Great. Can we say the words are wondrous? I feel like that. No, I, no, we can't overuse that word, Carrie. I know, you're right, you're right. They're just... Um, they're beautiful words. They're great. Wonderful. Perfect. Amazing. Excellent. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are shut off from thesaurus.com. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, let's read those words. Okay. You want to start? What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul. What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to send this precious peace to my soul, to my soul, 
to send this precious peace to my soul. Verse 2. When I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul. Ye winged seraphs fly, bear the news, bear the news. Ye winged seraphs fly, bear the news. Ye winged seraphs fly, like comets through the sky. Fill vast eternity with the news, with the news. Fill vast eternity with the news. Ye friends of Zion's king, join his praise, join his praise. Ye friends of Zion's king, join his praise. Ye friends of Zion's king, with hearts and voices sing, and strike each tuneful string in his praise, in his praise, and strike each tuneful string in his praise. To God and to the Lamb I will sing, I will sing. To God and to the Lamb I will sing. To God and to the Lamb, who is the great I am. While millions join the theme, I will sing, I will sing. While millions join the theme, I will sing. And while from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And while from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And while from death I'm free, I'll sing and joyful be. And through eternity, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And through eternity, I'll sing on. I mean, that's kind of amazing. I know, but I bet you if we asked the, our listeners to guess which verses were not included in yeah, the hymnal, I feel like they would guess. They would guess. Yes. I feel like one especially sticks out like a sore thumb. Okay. The one with the seraphs? Yeah. The one with the winged seraphs. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of <laughs> what people want to sing on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. winged seraphs don't make the cut. Right. Yeah. And it has to be winged because it matches right. the rhymes theme Carrie and I tried to like sing it with winged and it doesn't really work and of course the rhyme pattern changes because it would be ye winged seraphs fly that would have to rhyme with fill vast eternity eternity (laughs) so it's one of those things that works as a poem right you know but editors are making their decision about Mm -hmm. which verses to keep they Mm -hmm. decide to cut the seraphs Mm -hmm. and they actually decide to cut the one about Zion's King. Zion's King. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's because Zion's King is one of those phrases that is confusing. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if you look at James, he works at Mount Zion Baptist Church. They might have a different idea of what Zion means. Right. Well, and it is a little redundant because it's, it is totally verses redundant. like four, five, and six mm-hmm. all have to do with singing mm-hmm. and singing forever in praise. Right. So like you don't really need all of them. Right. So the editors made the decision. Right. So that verse three isn't usually included. That verse four about Zion's king isn't usually included. I was actually kind of surprised to see that verse, the last verse was included. While from death I'm free. Mm -hmm. I think that might be tricky to sing for some people who, you know, might be struggling with a a death in the family. It's a hard thing to sing the word death. But it makes me think, like, could this be a funeral hymn? Right. I mean, what an amazing funeral hymn. I know, I think it'd be an awesome funeral funeral hymn song, yeah, Yeah. for a congregation to sing. Just to remind us that, you know, there's life after death, there's eternity. And I mean, obviously in a Christian funeral, you're getting that reminder, but what a beautiful song. So So, this is interesting. So our hymnal mm -hmm. kept the death verse, right? which we're so curious. You guys have to let us know if that verse is in your hymnal. Right. But what's interesting is our hymnal has the original words for verse one. Right. And what we just read is an edited version. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the original words of verse one say. Right. What wondrous love of this that caused the Lord of bliss. So it's what is the Lord of bliss doing next? To bear this dreadful curse for my soul. And many hymnal editors have decided that the dreadful curse isn't something they want to emphasize in this song. So they changed it to to send this precious peace. Mm. So it's interesting to me that like the death is there. Mm-hmm. 
as being, you know, not problematic. Right, right. But the dreadful curse they took out. Right. And I actually think the dreadful curse, I mean... I think that's actually necessary, especially since the next verse says, I was sinking down. Right. Why were you sinking down? Because of the dreadful curse. Right. The dreadful curse is biblical. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can look at Galatians 3.13. Christ has rescued us from From the the curse. curse. I mean, there was a curse with the fall of man. Right. And Galatians goes on. When he was hung on the cross... He took upon himself the The curse curse for our wrongdoing. So obviously it was a curse. Right. No Christian would argue that. But some hymnal editor just decided they wanted it different, you know. And for for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you know, in this day and age when everyone can do whatever they want and call that right, and it's, I think it's a good reminder. No, we are sinful. There is a right. There is a wrong. And um, it's because of this curse. And Jesus saved us from it. Right. You can't just look at the bad part. You can't just say we're condemned and there's a curse. You have to give the other side of the story, which is that we're saved from it. Right. So there are the words. What if we sang the verse with these words from the curse? All right. Because we didn't just read them. We read about the piece. Right. So let's just sing it. Everybody can hear the tune Mm -hmm. um, and sing with us if you want. Oh, yes. What wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul? What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this, that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. All right, so Kara, what do you think of that? I mean, I really think and appreciate the term dreadful curse. Yeah. I, I really feel like there's no reason to change it. The tone, the overall tone of the hymn, it works. Mm-hmm. You you are singing about something that's, you know, haunting. I mean, sad at the and very sad, least. But then there is this like hope to it yes. because you're singing about love. I really do not agree with changing the words. Mm-hmm. And I think precious peace really changes a lot. It changes. Dreadful curse to precious peace. Yeah, it's the overall tone yeah. that changes. Yeah. So what's interesting about this, this is a big musical nerd moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. always fun. So this song is in Dorian mode. Right. So for those of you who are musical, I mean, it's not major and it's not minor. No, it's closely related to the minor. Right. Immediately you have that lowered third, mm-hmm. right? Can we just sing it? So a major scale would be what? Do, re, mi, fa, so. Yeah. And in minor, it would be do, re, me, fa, so. So do you hear that may? Do you hear that third note? It's the me note right. that is okay brought down. So that's minor. I right. mean, most people would just say, okay, that's minor. But what Dorian does <laughs> is it raises the sixth note. Right. And that sixth, it it really does change it because it almost confuses the singer, confuses the listener. Am I singing in major right. or minor? Because at a certain point, it does sound major. Exactly. It does sound major sometimes and it does sound minor now, sometimes. Now, what do you think, Kelly? Do you think we could find other songs in Dorian mode? <laughs> like hymns? I couldn't find any other hymns. You couldn't. I okay. couldn't. Okay. I couldn't. But I, you know the old folk song, Scarborough Fair? Yes. That's in Dorian. Are you going to Scarborough Fair? Right, and that totally sounds minor. minor. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Why are you How looking you at me? Remember that? I can't. I'm not <laughs> expecting her to sing it. Are you kidding me? I know Scarborough Fair. Everyone does, Gary. I don't. I mean, I could never sing. What are those spices, really? Yeah, I, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. You didn't know that, no. <laughs> but I think most people would hear. Remember me to the one who lives there. She was once a true love of mine. Right. 
But I think most people would listen to it and just think it's minor. Exactly. And then maybe there's like a weird note. And I do this great exercise with my upper level students, you know, figuring out things that are in major or minor. And I would never like trick them into a Dorian piece instead. All right. So more songs that are in Dorian mode. Okay. Tell me. So I just knew that one. Look, (laughs) if you want to listen to some Dorian songs and just see if you can pick out. We should make a Dorian playlist. (laughs) (laughs) We could. (laughs) All right. So look it. I Wish by Stevie Wonder. Oh. Woodstock by Joni Mitchell. And this one I think is maybe the best example. It just in terms of pop culture. Mm. Mad World by Tears for Fears. Oh, great song. So it has this very yes. like kind of low minor feel. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes up, I think it's kind of funny. Da, I think da, it's kind of It's sad. that note. It's yeah. that high note. And it almost like gives this like really dark Mm. sad song but then there's like this little moment yeah where you you feel like there's hope mm. because he he raises that sixth mm. note i mean you have to wonder if the composers the writers of these musical pieces were thinking i just want to do something in dorian or if it's just by chance that ended up there i like the way this sounds i feel like they they did it on purpose i feel like i stevie wonder was like i want to do something yeah. a little unexpected yeah He's a very talented musician and would know. I feel like he's saying, I don't want to just do minor. Right. I don't want to just do major. What can I do? I'm going to surprise the listener with this raised sixth. So that's the music of What Wondrous Love Is This. Mm -hmm. So if you were listening to it and you thought it sounded a little unique, unlike any other hymn, if you listened to it and thought, what's strange or unexpected mm-hmm. about this it's that note mm-hmm. it's that one note so let's talk about the music okay because this is a hymn talk twin talk first carrie it's a first okay it's a first i don't think we've had this on any song i know our this hymn we is, don't know who the writer of the music is right and we don't know who the writer of the words are we got nothing literally it is completely anonymous. anonymous. Now, we've had hymns where we didn't know who wrote the words, but we knew who wrote the music. Right. But this is a first. This hymn, there's no reason why it should exist. No one knows mm. where it came from. Yeah. There's so much unknown with this, but there's still so many people who helped to keep it alive. Right, right. So we're so going to talk about those talk people. We're going to talk about the guy who, who really was the first person to put the music mm-hmm. to the words. Okay. So his name is William Walker. Um, we can call him Singing, singing Billy. Billy. <laughs> I mean, Kelly, I think we should just call you Singing Kelly. And you Singing Gary. Well, we should have different ones. <laughs> All right, Singing Billy. Okay, you're playing, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like plain. I don't like that at all. <laughs> plain. Singing Kelly and her sister, Plain Gary. It's <laughs> <laughs> awful. Plain. All right, so Singing Billy, William mm-hmm. Walker. All right, tell us all about him, Carrie. William Walker was born on May 6th in the year 1809 in South Carolina. He was known as Singing Billy. So he is a very interesting man. And Kelly, I feel like we could do a whole episode on him. Mm. Now, he actually has this distinction as being the most famous music teacher from South Carolina. That's crazy. Yep, the most famous one. Who's the most famous music teacher from Massachusetts? (laughs) Well, Lowell Mason, I (laughs) guess. That's true. So he was a song leader. He had no formal music education, but he would travel to rural areas as a song leader and singing school teacher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what he did with this book, he wrote the book where we see... What Wondrous Love Is This? Mm -hmm. The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. Right, right, right. So he wrote this book, and this is basically the authority of of music at this time from this region. Mm -hmm. He is credited for, like, saving the people's music. So the people in these rural areas would be singing. Nobody ever wrote them down. Right. They were just taught by rote from generation to the next. Which we see that... All the time all the in time. people in people groups. Right. You know, they sing, they sing, they sing. It gets passed on. Their children sing, their children sing. Mm-hmm. But no one has it written down. But he was the one who realized it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he realized it would eventually die out. Right. So he's the one who wrote them down. And he coined the phrase folk spirituals. Okay. They had previously been only from the oral tradition. Mm-hmm. And he was the first to write it down. And 150 years later, we still have it. Mm-hmm. So what he did has lasted. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, in 1835, 600,000 of those books were sold. Wow. So, you know, at the time, 
there's about 17 million people in the United States. So if 600,000 books are being sold at that time, if you tried to do it by today's standards, and of course here in America we have about 300 million people, <laughs> you're talking about about 8 million books being sold. Wow. So 8 million Christian songbooks being sold today. Do you think that would ever happen? No. No. Wow, you're such a cynic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could. No, I don't think it would. I don't think it would, but you answered so fast. No, I don't think so at all. I know. Yeah. It's just amazing. This was a big book that everybody wanted to have from Singing Billy. So he is going to these rural areas, bringing the book, leading at churches, leading Mm -hmm. at camp meetings, Mm -hmm. and showing people how to sing. He would run these singing schools. Mm -hmm. And now what he did was shape note singing. Right. What's that? Right. What's that? I mean, I looked up shape note singing. I've heard of shape note singing. It's supposed to be the simple way to read music. (laughs) It's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be like a shortcut. But to me, it's so hard. Super hard. Just teach the music. So you don't need to know the names of the lines Mm. and the spaces. Right. You just have to know these shapes. So... According to history, it says that shape note singing originated in New England, but it really became popular in the South. So a triangle was fa, a circle was so, Mm -hmm. rectangle was la, and a diamond was me. And they basically were able to sing every song with these four notes. I don't know how they did. I mean, this is a real musical nerd moment again, Carrie. <laughs> I think we're losing our people here. Dorian oh, mode. Always fun. <laughs> Shape note singing. I don't know. But this would help people learn music quicker. Right. Now, in his book, Southern Harmony of 1836, we see not only do we see what wondrous love is this with the shape note singing for the first time right. words and music, right. but we also see amazing grace Mm. he was the first william walker was the first to put the tune together with the words and this is what he did he said okay everybody knows this tune and everybody knows these words but i'm going to be the first one Mm -hmm. to put it together and write it down Mm -hmm. now if you go to south carolina you will see the historical marker for william walker wow in spartanburg we could go and see it nice but if we're planning a trip Where's our captain? We're planning a trip. This is your captain speaking. I think we should go to Benton, Kentucky. Okay. So Benton, Kentucky has the longest running shape note singing festival. What? In the world. It's called the Big Singing. It started in 1884. And it's the only regular event that still sings from William Walker's Southern Harmony. And it's a living tradition to this day. Oh, I would love to attend that. So they returned to an in-person singing event last year in 2022 after taking two years off because of COVID. Right. This year, they're having it on May 27th and 28th at the County Courthouse in Benton, Kentucky. Wow. Yeah. So if we wanted to go, mm-hmm. it's a 17 hour road trip. Wow. And of course, who requested this hymn? Our friend James. And he's in Kentucky. Right. So for him to get to Benton. Oh my gosh, we have to tell him to go. It's a four and a half hour drive. Oh, it's still kind of far. Yeah, because he's in Covington. Right. Okay, so let's say we're going to Benton. <laughs> let's say we do it. We tell James, get in the car. We're driving to Benton. You drive four and a half hours, James. We'll meet you there in 17. (laughs) What else can we do in Benton? What kind of town is this? It's a very small town, population of about 4,000. Oh, very small. But there's the Kentucky Opry Theater that is there. Okay. The Kentucky Opry Theater has, you know, all of these music musical groups that perform. It's big with bluegrass music shows, mm-hmm. southern gospel music, and the Kentucky Lake Cowboy Church meets there on Sunday mornings. Wow. Don't you want to go to the Kentucky Lake Cowboy I want to church? see the cowboys at the Kentucky Lake Church. Now, this was such a big event. Before World War II, it is said that many thousands attended. Mm. And as many as four extra trains had to be added to bring in the crowds. Wow. Yeah. That's William Walker. And how about this for a fun fact? Do you know the rock and roll band, the Black Crows? Yes. Do I? (laughs) I knew them as soon as I I looked them up. Okay. Our listeners, I'm sure, know. No, they wrote Hard to Handle. She Talks to Angels. Okay. How about this? In 1992, they named their album The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion after William Walker. Wow. So even the Black Crows (laughs) recognize his book as being super important. Wow. 
So William Walker is the one, the words already exist, the tune he's heard sung through Appalachia, and he puts it together. Right. We credit him for that. But we still have the mystery of where the words come from. Right. So we don't know where the words came from. (laughs) And that's the end of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure some of you are thinking it should be wishing it was over. (laughs) No, no, no. So we have some information. We do have what we found. It's amazing to me. These these words were sung at like camp meetings. Right. So we first see the words in these camp meeting songbooks. And we have talked about camp meetings multiple times. Yes. We know what they're like. They they bring in their musicians, their singers, their preachers. Mm-hmm. People travel for, for miles to go to them. And they were a great way to outreach. Now, I read... Somewhere, would you call this accurate, Kelly, that camp meetings were in more of the rural areas? Right. And like revival meetings were more in the cities. Did you, do you see that distinction? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. You wouldn't call a camp meeting at New York City, right? Right. But it was real. the camp meetings were like on a campground. Oh, yeah. Just big open land. With tents. Right. And it was outside. Sometimes they called them tent meetings. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, And so we have the first record of a tent meeting, Carrie, in in about 1790. Okay. America was just formed and you have these huge, huge gatherings. It just speaks to the fact that people need to gather. I know. Christians needed to be together. They needed to worship. Now, the, there's a huge, famous camp meeting. It was in Kentucky. It's called the Cane Ridge Revival. Mm-hmm. And this was in 1801. And hello, 25,000 people attended. When I think of that, like, uh, like logistically, like, I mean, there were horses and carriages. And, right, and, right. And where did they all park? And the tents. And how did you, How there's no amplified speaker system how did they get the people to the thing to say service starts at 8 a.m i mean and anyone who does like any sort of event Event planning planning. (laughs) like this is hard this is hard and they did it yeah now but there was times of the year that it worked out i mean camp meetings at this time were held after the harvest Mm -hmm. it was after everyone was working so hard in the fields the people the fathers the sons the children the mom after all of that working they could have time to relax and they could get to a camp meeting I, probably if the camp meeting was held earlier than that, no one would have been able to go because they were all so busy. Mm-hmm. Now, camp meetings, their success depended on three things. Mm-hmm. Great preaching, great praying, and great singing. Yeah, I mean, some might argue that the singing was what drew people in mm-hmm. at, at first, mm-hmm. you know? The singing, maybe the singing drives them in, you know, brings them in. But then you had to have someone bring in the word. Right. You know, you had to have someone bring in the word. Yeah. So they would say that at the Sunday services, they would have two services before they sent people off. Like mm-hmm. that must have been the end of the, the mm-hmm. session, the eight days, 10 days, whatever. And so they had a meeting at eight and a meeting at 11. Mm-hmm. And the last one at the 11 o'clock was when they had their great altar call. Right. And they would save the, you know, the best preacher, the mm-hmm. best speaker mm-hmm. um, for the 11 o'clock. And they actually had a term for that preacher. He was called the Samsons of the 11th hour oh. because they would do the last one right. on Sunday before sending everybody right. home. Right. And, you know, we read that there's about a thousand camp meetings still in existence today. I don't think they're here around Massachusetts. But if our listeners are somewhere and you know that there's a camp meeting around, let us know. Because wouldn't it be even neat, Carrie, to just be traveling on our own family vacations and find a camp meeting that we were were able to attend? A thousand of them exist. They have to be around. Yeah. And these camp meetings, we have seen just in our podcast alone, right. how many souls were saved, how many right. hymn writers. We just l- talked about this in episode 76 right. with Thomas Chisholm. Thomas Chisholm goes to a camp meeting right. expecting to just do a story as right. like a, a, journalist. a journalist. And his life is totally changed mm-hmm. because of what he experienced at the t- camp meeting, which, by we- the way, he probably sang from <laughs> William Walker's book. He probably did. All right. It's all coming together so nicely. It's just so perfect. Um, So, yeah. So these songbooks, there are two different songbooks that we see it in. Mm -hmm. Um, This Wondrous Love is This. We see these words for the first time. One was a songbook that was compiled by Stith Mead. And the other was compiled by a gentleman named Stark Dupee. Wow. Were they really trying to go for weird names here? I I don't understand. Stith Mead. Stark Dupree. Even if you just look at their first names, how do you name someone Stith? Stith and Stark. Yeah. Now, in 1811, 
It's during the Second Great Awakening. Stith mm. Mead has the songbook that's called A General Selection of the Newest and Most Admired Hymns and mm. Spiritual Songs Now in Use. So this is 30 years, really, 20 years, before William Walker put it to put the words to music. Right. And also in that same year, Stark Dupee did the same kind of book, and he called it Hymns and Spiritual Songs Original and Selected by Stark, Stark Dupee. Wow. Dupee. So... I mean, these guys wrote these books. How did they hear these words? They called the words anonymous. A lot of people will try to credit one of these gentlemen for right. re- writing the words, but they didn't write them. Right. They, they heard them somewhere, right. and they wrote them down, but right. they're not the author. So these two men, they're both from Virginia Cal. I have to think these two musical religious men knew each other. But the thing is that one was a Baptist and one was a Methodist. Right. So they are both creating a songbook for their churches. Right, for their camp meetings. Right, and, and so they probably didn't mix. And they probably had some songs that only appeared in one. Right. But but I bet a bunch of songs were in both. Right. We see it now all the time in, in Protestant hymnals. The same songs are used in so many hymnals. So they both are creating a songbook and they both include... What wondrous, wondrous love, love is, is this? So Stithmead, he was from Bedford County, Virginia, and he actually was a leader in Methodism. And they say that because of his financing and his support, the very first Methodist church was built in Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it was called the Third Street Methodist Meeting House. And now it's called the Centenary Church. I mean, you can okay, actually still it's, there. No, well, they moved it a few times. It's right. changed, and we could go there. We mm-hmm. could go to Lynchburg. Mm-hmm. We could visit the church, and if we're planning a road trip, this is your captain speaking. <laughs> we have to visit Mead Prayer Rock. Ooh, yeah. So he established this prayer rock. <laughs> In 1833, he would kneel at the rock and pray before his church services. Mm -hmm. And so chiseled in the rock, he chiseled inside the words, hope, fast, pray to God, Job 19. So we could visit the rock. There's a plaque. There's a flagpole. Mm -hmm. There's a bench. And we could totally visit the Mm -hmm. Mead Rock. Didn't we find there was a rock up here? Yes, there is a rock in Ipswich. What was it? We talked about the pulpit rock, Carrie, in Ipswich. <laughs> okay. And it was the, you know, bombastic preacher, George Whitefield. Yeah. Whitefield, Whitfield. And he was up here in New England. He right. was up here in, on the North Shore of Massachusetts. And we talked about him and what he did when we discussed the hymn, Come, Come Thou Fount, Fount of, of Every, every blessing. blessing. That was episode 62. And it's a great episode oh, yeah. because it was so much about what was near us. And it was actually surprising, like 15 minutes away, all of this stuff know. was happening. Yeah. I mean... So preachers must have liked their rocks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who knew? Well, you have to remember the time. They don't have electricity. They're preaching outdoors. Yeah. They need a gathering place. Like, why wouldn't they just find a place that was important, easy to access? Decent rock. And a lot of times, I know it was for George Whitefield. Maybe it wasn't for a stiff mead. Yeah. Um, but it was like up on a hill. So he could be there and the people and people could yeah. gather. No, I don't think that was yeah. that for this. It yeah. was a... a kind of a private personal space that he he would gather. Yeah, I do I definitely remember that. Yeah. So that's Reverend Mead Stark Dupuy. Stark Dupuy. Now he's it's D-U-P-U-Y. Yeah. Someone Dupai? Dupuy? I doubt it's Dupuy. Someone tell us how to say it. <laughs> Give me an Italian name. I can pronounce that. <laughs> we actually don't have a ton of information yeah. on Stark Dupuy. Um, but he was a young, zealous, ardent preacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, people loved him. He mm-hmm. loved preaching. And he preached a lot. He was yeah. a Baptist preacher. Um, but it ended up, Carrie, that his health started to fail. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't able to preach. He actually didn't even live that long. He, he died when he was about 60. Okay. So, you know, not too long. And at some point, his health was failing, and he ended up settling down in Tennessee to sort of rest and recuperate. And it was then that he began compiling this hymn hymn book. So, you know, it's something that came later. He was definitely a preacher first. And I always love hearing about preachers who are also the theologians who put hymns together because they know, they, they know kind of what's important and what should be included. And I always, I always think that's so interesting. Nowadays, it's not like that. The preacher, the pastor and the preacher, they're not the ones putting hymnals together. Right, right. 
Yeah, I mean, I love thinking about these guys living in Virginia around the same time, working in the same field Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, you know, if they didn't know each other, they had to have known of Of each each other. other. For sure. And they're doing the exact same thing. It's just in different churches. I wonder if there was like some competition. Like ours is better. Our Methodist songbook is better than your Baptist songbook. (laughs) All right. So that's why we have the words. Mm -hmm. And the words have a lot of repetition, but it definitely speaks to the fact that you're doing these camp meetings. You Mm -hmm. want people to be able to sing and learn songs quickly. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a tune they already know because it's somehow a tune that has been sung for generations in the region. Right. So people know it. And now they just learn these, you know, fairly simple words. It's kind of funny that a song that sounds so hard and complicated to our modern ears with its Dorian mode is the exact song that those singers and people living at the time would have thought was easy. And there's actually a whole nother path we could have gone down because there's these pirate songs, like (laughs) sea shanties, Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. of folklore-ish songs that you could almost look at and see that it was connected to the melody, see that maybe there was a little reminiscence, but I didn't think the reminiscence was strong enough to really talk about. So this was a song of praise. Right. I love songs that are about singing praise. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about these words. If we look at all six verses, which mm-hmm. I know we'll never sing all six verses, mm-hmm. there is a nice path that mm-hmm. the song takes mm-hmm. that I think makes sense, especially in worship, in congregational worship. When you look at the word wondrous, it's just this one thing to be marveled at. What is the one thing that we're marveling at? The, the love. love. The love. What wondrous love is this? And what did this love do? It caused the Lord of bliss, which is a kind of strange thing to call Jesus, Lord of bliss. But it rhymes. But it rhymes. And what does this Lord of bliss do? He bears the dreadful curse for my soul. Right. And I actually appreciate the recurring theme of my soul because it means different things. At first, it's what wondrous love is this, oh my soul. It's like, oh my goodness. It's, oh, deep down in my soul, I feel this, what wondrous love it is. So it's kind of an expression. But as the verse goes on, it's the curse for my soul. Right. It changes the meaning. Mm -hmm. And I like that. We already read in Galatians how there is a curse for man Mm -hmm. and how Jesus took the curse away. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where this verse comes from. Right. I mean, it forces the soul, sort of. It forces us to meditate on Christ's wonderful love. Mm. I mean, that's what we're doing. So the love that we hear about in verse one, Mm -hmm. then it brings about our salvation Mm -hmm. in verse two. Right. And then... Then millions respond with praise. Right. Right? We just have to praise. Right. We recount the wonders of his love, and then it leads us to worship. Right. We recount the wonders of his love. It leads to our salvation. Right. It leads to our salvation. Verse 2, when I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown. God is righteous. He's fair. But he looks down on us, and he frowns because of our sin, because of our brokenness, because of the way we turn against him and rebel against him. Time and time again. And Christ, the king of heaven and earth, what does he do? I actually love the vision of this. He lays aside his crown. Mm -hmm. For what? For For my my soul. soul. There we have the soul again, that Mm -hmm. recurring theme. Christ laid aside his crown for our soul. Right. I mean, Romans 5, 8. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we could literally say this verse almost on every podcast I know, episode. I know, I know, God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. He knows exactly who we are. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly what we're capable of. And he still sent Christ to die for us. That, to me, is what this is about. He's frowning at us. He mm-hmm. knows who we are but he still sends Christ to die for us. And honestly, I think that's the part of the Christian salvation story that is a really hard pill for people to swallow. I know. Why me? Why would he ever love me that much? Mm-hmm. You know, who am I? Right. And I think that we start to think about a works-based salvation. Like, well, what can I do to deserve that? Well, what can I right, do to earn Jesus's love? Mm-hmm. And it's literally, you're sinking down. Right. God is frowning upon you. You are sinking down. There's nothing that you can do. Right. 
as much as you want to. But Jesus told his disciples that the greatest act of love is mm. to give up one's life, right? John mm-hmm. 15, 13. Yeah. He said it. He told them this was coming, but right. I don't think anybody I realized know. it. I know. And then we move on to verse three, yeah. which is the verse that we don't have about the winged seraphs flying yeah. and bearing the news and filling eternity, you know, right. with the news. This is, this is revelation. This right. is, you know, every being on heaven and on earth and under earth will pr- sing Jesus's praise, mm-hmm. will proclaim him as the lamb, will proclaim him as the king. And I like to think that we follow their example and we spread the news and we bear the news once we are saved. Once we realize that Christ laid his crown for our soul and we are saved, we should bear the news as well. And then it goes right into verse four, which again isn't included in our hymnal, but it's about praise. Mm -hmm. This is where it starts. Four, five, and six is about praise. Right. I will sing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And verse four actually says, strike the tuneful string. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just like, it reminds me of the Psalms. Right. You know, praise him with the tambourine and harp. Right. Praise him with the string and lyre. Praise him with everything that you have. And it just goes to, you know, all the places in the Bible that tell us that we have to sing. Mm-hmm. We have to worship. Right. Like it's biblical. It's right. not something that the people in the camp meetings made up right. to get people to come. Let's right. have great music so people will want to come. It's not something that we made up. Right. I mean, he says over and over again, we sing and then we see the example in eternity. Right. Yeah. Well, that's verse five and six, yeah. Carrie. So five, I actually really love verse five. Yeah. To God and to the lamb. Yep. It's telling us to God And to Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus Christ? He is the one sacrificial lamb. He's the one sacrifice once for all. For all, for everyone. He is the lamb. I wonder if, you know, during this Lent season, Mm. people, you know, read or or learned or meditated on the the Passover in the Old Testament. Right. Right? He is the lamb. He's the... That's it. The one lamb. We don't need to do that anymore. We do not need to sacrifice the lamb because he was the one lamb. It's done. And uh, that verse specifically says, while millions join the theme. So funny. So funny. Because it's it's way more than that. Every believer from the beginning of time to the future, to heaven and eternity. Yeah, it will be a lot of people singing his praises. Right. But I do picture that. Um, revelation picture, you know, yeah. of everyone gathered around the throne. Yeah, Revelations 5.13, then I heard every creature in heaven mm-hmm. and on earth and under the earth mm-hmm. and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb mm-hmm. be praise and honor and glory, glory and, and power mm-hmm. forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I just love songs that are about singing. Yeah. So I think this is just great. Yeah. Finally, it brings us to verse six, Carrie, the yeah. final verse and we're singing, and again, it's definitely, you know, referring to heaven and that revelation vision. While from death I'm free, I'll sing on. We will sing for eternity. Mm-hmm. And it's just this glimpse of heaven. And I think that that's what those camp meetings were. Yeah. This glimpse of heaven where all the people have gathered for one purpose, and that is to praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do when we gather on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. That's what the people did in the tent meetings. And that's what we'll do in heaven. Mm-hmm. We'll sing with William Walker and with Stith Mead. <laughs> we'll, it'll be singing Billy, Stark, and Stith. Yeah, and, and Kelly and Carrie. And, Kel- and singing Kelly and playing Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we want to share this music. This so, is so cool. James, when he contacted us with this hymn request, he also gave us a performance that we could share. Mm-hmm. So when he was a senior at St. Olaf College in Minnesota, mm-hmm. he was singing in the St. Olaf Choir. He sang baritone, mm-hmm. and they have this beautiful arrangement, a cappella, mm-hmm. of What Wondrous Love Is This? Yes. So and it's just, I love hearing choir singing. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, haunting melody that really works with the choir. Okay, quiz time. Come on, remember from the beginning of the episode, <laughs> who can tell us what mode it's yes. in? Yes, do you remember the mode? It's not major. It's not minor. It's, it's Dorian. That's right. Did you remember Dorian? All right, Enjoy. What Wondrous Love Is This by the St. Olaf Choir.
Oh, wasn't that so nice? I love it, acapella. I think that's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. good. Thank you, James. James said his favorite line was when I was sinking down. Yeah, he said that it just reminded him of our own brokenness. Yeah. And and honestly, we kind of need that reminder sometimes. Yep, yep. absolutely. So what about him takes, Cal? Do you have one? I love to God and to the lamb. Yeah. You know, to God and to the lamb, I will sing. Mm-hmm. I will sing. I mean, that's what we do every Sunday. I actually just love the word wondrous. Mm. I feel like we it's not an overused word. No, no. So we so we should use it more. No, 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 no. <laughs> but we should capture it. Like yeah. use it and keep it. Keep right. it sacred. Mm. It really shouldn't describe very many things. Right. Wondrous. Wondrous. God's love is truly wondrous. wondrous. Yeah. All right. I hope you all had a blessed Easter. Yes. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for being on this hymn journey with us. Mm-hmm. We hope you loved learning about William Walker, Stith Mead, Stark Dupree, and our friend James yes. from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Thank you, James, for this request. We loved it. If you have a request for a future episode, please let us know. And while you're at it, go to our website and look at all our Him Talk Twin Talk merch. Yep. HymnTalkTwinTalk.com. Hey, we still have Jesus Loves Me items we that do. people can buy. Yep. We have our stickers, magnets, and a very cute tote bag. Yes. All right. Until next week, we'll be back in two weeks with episode number 78. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. See you then, everybody. Bye. Thank you.